Welcome to the Stories She Sings, where we bring messages of biblical women to life through inspired songs. We hope this podcast will be a place of rest, refuge, and refreshing in the presence of God. This is Karen Lynn Grant with the Stories She Sings. Today, I am really touched and excited to share with you a part of my life that I experienced in my late 20s and early 30s. Around age 32, which is exactly 30 years ago, I went on a journey of healing. It was a journey into the scriptures to learn about a woman's perspective, a divine perspective of the Savior Jesus Christ and what it might have felt like to be a person visiting all of these different scenes in his life. And I wrote a reader's theater called The Morning Light and added these first-person narratives as though I was standing at each place where he was baptized, when he was in the wilderness, when his mother was looking for him and couldn't find him, but then found him at the temple. All of these different scenarios um, on the Sermon on the Mount, um, just everything that a woman could experience in her own way, with her own love and understanding being opened up for the Savior Jesus Christ. It was during this time of my life, exactly 30 years ago, that my little baby girl was born, and I would get up in the middle of the night and I would hear her little call in the darkness, go get her and carry her little bundled self down the hall into the living room where I would open my scriptures and I would write songs about women in the scriptures. The first group of songs was called With Perfumed Oil. And I shared that last week on the radio and in a podcast under the title of Pearls of Perfection. He knew my heart. And that was such a blessing to be able to write those songs about women that truly existed. The the widow who gave her last might, the woman who poured perfumed oil on his feet, the woman at the well. And these women gave me courage to come unto Christ. But the songs that I'm going to be sharing with you today were written as if I was there. And I would like to ask you as you listen to put yourself in third person or in first person and to imagine yourself, to visualize yourself standing at the water's edge when the Savior was baptized by John the Baptist or what it might have been like to feel his mother's pain when she couldn't find him. And when he was 12 years old, and then later found him in the temple when he said, Wish ye not that I be about my father's business? Or what it might have been like to be a woman who's watching everybody else's children being healed, but then standing in need of a miracle of your own. And that will be portrayed in a song called One Precious Miracle. And a woman maybe carrying her little ones up the hill. Maybe the husband wanted to stay home and play video games that day. Or what the equivalent was back in the day of Jesus. But she wants to bring her children up the hill, up the, up the mount, to hear the Sermon on the Mount while her little boy is chasing butterflies. And, and she's carrying her baby and what it might have felt like to have Jesus come down the hill and say, can I carry your baby? I hope that as you listen, you'll put yourself 
in these sweet scenarios and that you will feel the spirit. And I I just share them with you in joy and in love. And this is like my commemoration mark of my experience of when I was just a 30-year-old mom with a brand new baby girl. And now my baby girl is 32 and it's 30 years later. But these songs and the testimony that I gained and gleaned from all of these middle of the night rendezvous, nursing Laura back to sleep and reading my scriptures and praying and writing in my journal, I share with them with you today, March 2022. The sun was shining overhead as I walked along the path ascending the hill where I had heard Jesus would be teaching that day. I urged my little children to hurry, but they were easily distracted by the sights and often stopped to climb upon the rocks or to observe the nature surrounding them. Trying to both carry my baby and shepherd my other children, I grew weary. I began wondering why I'd made such an attempt all alone. Perhaps I should have stayed home and let them play in the shade of the little tree in front of our small home and chase butterflies. I wanted them to see Jesus Christ, even if it must be as one in a numberless multitude. I wanted to take them to the one whose teachings I had come to honor and cherish. I wanted them to hear the flowing voice that I had only once before heard, that voice that had soothed my soul. I hoped they would recognize the love mirrored in his shining eyes as I had. But now I was weary and felt like turning back. My arms were heavy and my children would not hearken to my calls. Suddenly, I saw him. He began descending the hill towards me. I quickly blotted my tears with the hem of my robe. And as he neared me, I sensed his perfect presence. I knew he was the Lord Jesus Christ, but why was he coming to me? My children saw him too and immediately were drawn to him. It was as if he sensed the yearning of my heart to draw near to him, and so he had drawn near to me when I felt I could go no further. When he asked me if he could carry my baby, my heart leapt. As my children gathered around him, we ascended the hill together. Joy and laughter replaced discouragement and frustration. My every hope was fulfilled that day beyond any expectation. My children, having experienced the love of Jesus Christ for themselves, never strayed from the path leading to truth again. Motherhood, especially if you are alone and single, can be tiring and discouraging. Yet Jesus taught me that the most important thing I can provide for my children is the opportunity to have spiritual experiences. They must experience His love for themselves. And as they do, they will grow to trust in the Lord with all their hearts. Then they will not need to rely and lean only upon a mother's understanding.
dear friend led me to the place where Jesus was teaching one day. It was up a hill and beneath the sun. I sat at the back in the midst of multitudes, lost in a sea of faces. But I heard those words as he spoke every beatitude with clarity. And somehow those messages spoke peace to my soul. I had gone through much adversity and much trial. I had been severely wounded in spirit and brokenhearted, and yet I felt light fill my being as I listened to his words. I felt new hope springing in me. I wondered if he could see me because it 
felt as though he were talking directly to me as if there was nobody else around. He moved through that crowd and he came to me. He laid his hand upon my shoulder as he spoke. Those words, blessed, are those who are persecuted and reviled for my name's sake. And as he spoke those words and the beautiful promises, I knew that he understood the experiences of my lifetime. I followed him thereafter. I loved him with all my heart. I was able to comfort others. I was able to go to others who had been hurt, to move into colonies of of souls who, unlike lepers who have torn flesh, I moved into the lives of those who had torn hearts and torn lives. I was able to comfort those who stood in need of comfort after that, and to bring words of reassurance, encouragement, to turn to the Savior with all their hearts that there was indeed a man understood and who had come to bless us, to heal us, those who were emotionally wounded and spiritually forsaken. Blessed the pure in heart. 
felt new power surging. I could forgive those who trespassed me. My fears and doubts departed. He gently smiled on me. testimony of the Savior's compassion. I beheld as he lovingly and tenderly healed many souls of afflictions, spiritual, physical, and emotional. I was amazed at how much he loved each and every person he met. He treated everyone like they were a long-lost friend. I felt his sincerity and genuine concern for the pains each one bore. When he ministered to souls, he made each one feel completely understood, completely cherished, and completely loved. I knew in my heart that it was through the power of his love that those souls were healed. But it was not until my own child was called to pass through a trial of pain that I understood the full effects of his compassion. I ran to him begging him to heal my child of the affliction that possessed her. When I saw his eyes, his deep eyes fill with compassion for a mother's cries, I knew his heart. It did not take a word, not a gesture, just a moment to gaze into his eyes to feel the depths of his compassionate heart. Immeasurable. Truly, he hears a mother's cries and understands the worth of just one soul.
that by my faith in him, my child would be made whole again. One precious miracle is all I asked of him. I saw compassion streaming from his eyes. The understood that Jesus knew about temptation. I understood because he shared with us that he had experienced temptation of every kind, that he had suffered through much affliction and waded through much sorrow and experienced torment and temptation on every side so that he might succor us in our weakness. 
It was because of his great strength. He would look into our eyes and he would tell us that we need not travel through temptation alone. That if we would call upon the name of the Father, that we would be strengthened in those hours of weakness, in those times of adversity, and that we would be strengthened. He too traveled in his own wilderness. He too experienced the adversary's attempts to foil the plan of salvation. But he remained strong and he was the one perfect and flawless being. And because of him, I was given the courage and the strength to try and try again, to continue to work, to overcome the weaknesses of my flesh, to subdue my appetites and passions, and to overcome this world. For he always said, I have overcome this world. Be of good cheer. As though he wanted us to be of good cheer and know and believe and have faith that we too could overcome this world and subdue the passions of our own flesh and appetites. He taught us that if we would overcome those things, that we would be consumed in love, in the pure love of Christ. dreams he saw visions but wrestled powers unseen overcoming each temptation he suffered his own time of need his heart grew heavy his soul hungry he faced a wilderness unknown to prove his love the answer for souls fighting sin alone. He said, seek me, shall find me, I shall not leave you all alone. fought a wilderness unknown. You would not fall for Satan's lies, fame and glory he despised. He knew our hungers could not be fed by bread Just stood to surround 
of the Savior's ministry. I went often to the carpenter's shop and knocked upon the door and was met by the loving eyes of the Savior Jesus Christ. I ran in and pulled the little stool out from underneath the carpenter bench, pulled it out and sat on it and watched the way Jesus worked the wood this way and that way. One day, as I sat watching him, he leaned and picked a little piece of wood from off the floor. He began to carve it without speaking a word. I watched, eagerly waiting to see what he was creating. Slowly, the piece of wood took shape, and I could see it was a little wooden heart. He put a little hole through the center of it and put a little piece of twine and put it around my neck and said, my little one, this heart is like yours. It is simple, pure, and good. I cherished the gift, the emblem that Jesus gave to me. I wore it. My heart broke when he was crucified. And I kept the gift and wore it on into motherhood and taught my own children about Jesus of Nazareth, the carpenter who saw something good in me. Perfection out of the smallest piece. 
stood at the River Jordan's edge, waiting to be baptized by John the Baptist. There on that beautiful day stood the Savior. As I watched him enter into the waters, I wondered why he, a perfect man, would be baptized. As all of us who mingled there watched in amazement and heard the voice of the Father speak, this is my beloved son. We were filled with testimony, filled with divine assurance that this was the plan, to be reborn into the kingdom of God. As the dove descended out of the sky and lit upon the shoulder of this man, we knew that to become children of truth, we must also follow in the way. had many loyal friends, many of whom were women, 
We were sisters to him. We were those who comforted him in his hours of affliction. He taught us to bathe the feet of those who were tired and weary and often we were privileged and honored to bathe his. The hardest part of his journey was nearing the end of his life. And the women who loved him and honored him and cherished him did not leave him alone in those times, although he did not want us there to see his suffering. I remember crying through the streets as they carried him away from us. To leave him alone and to let him go, that he was indeed the Prince of Peace, the dear Messiah. Why should they afflict this perfect one, this innocent one, so much? Why were they so jealous? Why did they persecute him so? My friends and I, we gathered around him and we stayed with him to the very end. We anointed him with oils and, and bathed his feet and loved him, cherished him as our very own brother. He loved us too. We experienced his unconditional love. And in the end, he promised us that we would be with him again one day, that we would have eternal life. He stood silently before his accusers, stripped and shamed before an angry throng. His heart was pure, his hands were clean, they cast stones at a man who had done no wrong. Blameless but condemned by his own people, they mocked and scorned him, still wanting him to die. They shouted, you must crucify him, drowning out the few whose voices cried. He is the Prince of Peace, the true Messiah, our Lord and Master, let him live. Our very souls shall die without him, take our lives but please, oh please. I am the mother of the greatest missionary that ever lived. I have felt all the feelings and fears associated with the letting go of a child when he is determined to be about his father's business. I loved my son more deeply than can be expressed. I felt a great responsibility to protect him and guard him knowing of the great trials and dangers which lay ahead. When Jesus was 12 years old, Joseph and I took him with us to Jerusalem. After completing our purposes there, we began traveling back to Nazareth. I believe Jesus was walking ahead with friends, but soon discovered that he was not with them. I began to grow worried and concerned, so Joseph and I turned back to Jerusalem. My heart was sorrowing along the way as we retraced our steps. We searched for three days before finding him. 
At last, I ran to the temple to plead with his heavenly Father for help and guidance as to where to turn next. In the temple, I noticed a group of doctors and scholars gathered together, and there, in the midst of them, was my 12-year-old son answering their questions. I ran to him, overjoyed to see him, explaining my fears about our search. I will never forget that moment as I looked into his shining eyes, which always spoke the truth. Mother, wist ye not that I should be about my father's business? Years later, when I realized that the events were now pointing to the prophesied sacrifice, once more I pled with God for his life. Once again, I heard my son's voice speaking to me as before. Mother, this must be. It is my father's business. I understand how every mother feels when she lets her son or daughter go to serve their heavenly father. I have felt every fear. I too wondered if his sacrifice would be understood and appreciated by those whom he was sent to serve. I felt so much heartache as I watched my son suffer rejection by so many. My heart broke when I heard of betrayals by trusted friends. Sometimes I wondered if losing someone so dear and so precious to me was worth the cost. Mothers of missionaries, I thank you for letting your sons and daughters be about their Heavenly Father's business. I want you to know that I understand the sacrifices you and your husbands and children have made and will make in an effort to share the truth about my son. Many of you have lost a precious child in the fight for truth. Know that my heart is one with yours. Through the sacrifice of my son, you will find yours again.
could he know the pain that I had been concealing? As the others stood around me, ready to cast their stones at me, he came as if from out of nowhere and called them by name, bidding them, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. coming. My sister and I were taught that we must prepare our hearts if we were to be ready and not fear his coming. My sister was foolish. She did not trim her lamp with oil. She did not search the scriptures. She did not pray. She did not keep her covenants. She did not impart of her substance to the poor and needy. She did not take the admonition to prepare her heart seriously. I was saddened by her lack of devotion to something so unseen and so unpredictable. I was a wise virgin, I trimmed my lamp with oil, I honored the saying, fill your vessel full, my wish to meet the bridegroom, I knew would be fulfilled, I watched and I waited. My sister smiled unsure While the bridegroom tarried My sister slept There soon would be a marriage I cried to her and wept Your lap is not trimmed You must go find truth and light I pled with her I prayed for her But she slept into the night Trim your lamp, trim your lamp For the bridegroom is nigh Trim your lamp, trim your lamp Hold it high Trim your lamp, trim your lamp He will honor truth and light The wise will endure the every age and every dispensation. I am one of the pure in heart who diligently seek his face. He is the morning light that I will one day awake to. 
I am coming to know him. He is the fullness of the gospel which radiates in my eyes. He is the joy of my soul, the prayer of my heart, the laughter in my smile and the song that I sing. The promise of eternal life that awaits me awaits every woman who, like me, has set her heart upon him. I am the charity in the heart of Mother Eve, the patience and endurance in the heart of Sarah. I am the worshipful trust and awe in the heart of Mary of Bethany, the generosity and love in the heart of Martha, the devotion in the heart of the Savior's mother. I am the faith of the nameless widow, the foresight of the wise virgin, the humility in the heart of the Nephite woman, the penitence and honesty in the heart of the woman who bathed the Savior's feet with her tears. I am the courage in the heart of the woman who pressed through multitudes to touch his hem. I am the longing for pure love found in the heart of the Samaritan woman. We have brought to you the pearls of perfection. He is the light that will arise in the morning sky of a new and not too far distant dispensation. One day I will see his face. I will look into his eyes and fall down and worship at his feet. For I will know past ever doubting that he knew my heart. Each silent morn before the dawn yet broken, a woman awoke to meet the sun, searching in the stillness of the morning. She gazed into the listening sky alone. Each day she humbly prayed her heart would find him, that he would fill her soul with light and love. Believing in the promise of his coming, she waited for the answer from above Please send the morning light The shining sun His smile a glorious sight He is the one I am searching for Each new day Please send thy sun I think too many times we think that the Savior's love is for everyone else and not for us. Such it was with me. I am a nameless woman who has asked to remain anonymous. But I will share my story here with you that there came a point in my life when I had given up all hope on myself. I even had a dream that I was beyond hope. And in that dream, I saw myself in a deep pit. My fingernails had mud in, in them because I had tried so hard to climb out of this pit. I had called the voices that I heard laughing along the way 
Voices of those who were holding tight to the iron rod and who had not lost their way. They couldn't hear me. My cries were muffled in that darkened place. It was as I began to sink into the oozy black mud that I heard my name being called. And when I opened my eyes in this dream, I saw the Savior and he was leaning on his stomach with his arms outstretched. He had mud in his beard and mud in his fingernails too, mud on his robes. And he called me by name and said, I am the only way out of this darkness. My dream ended and I awoke in perspiration and exhaustion, having no more places to run and hide my weaknesses. But I knew, for the first time in my life, I knew that He is my Savior too. His love belonged to you. I thought that you were the one he died for. I never knew. I did not understand the mercy in his hands he offers to me too. Lift my eyes.